the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Would all the kids and teens up through the 10th grade please come forward. morning everybody how's everybody are you good y'all good good you ever been in a thunderstorm no it can be scary a thunderstorm can be scary because you got thunder boom boom and lightning lightning everywhere I like when the electricity goes out you like it when the electricity goes out I bet your parents don't. Oh. <laughs> it saves, it saves the money. Electricity. It saves your money. It saves money, doesn't it? it yeah. yeah. I think I about that. Well, that's good. <coughs> yeah? Yeah, the switch is still on when the power comes home and you comes back on and you're not home. The light stays on, doesn't it? Yeah. So you can lose money in that way, can't you? Yeah. Well, you know, if you but now if you ever been out in a thunderstorm all by yourself? No. You know, it makes it, it feel it makes you feel a whole lot safer if your mom or dad's right there, especially with an umbrella. However, a thunderstorm, the umbrella might get blown away a lot of times, right? So it's kind of unsafe because if Uh, lightning well usually they make umbrellas to where maybe the lightning won't hit the umbrella right don't you think because it's got a you're not you don't have metal on your hand right rubber yeah or plastic oh well I don't know all that but you know you know you know Joseph had 11 brothers reading today had 11 brothers and Joseph found himself in a big storm. It wasn't a thunderstorm. It was a storm about how much his brothers hated him because, like me, he was most loved by his parents. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it says, in the, it says in the Bible that Daddy loved Joseph more than all the others, and his brothers hated him because of it. Uh, Joseph? Yeah. And like in my family, too, I have seven brothers and one sister and we always kid about it but everybody knew that was true that I was the most loved by my mother and father you, you, who's, who's the most loved in your family me no I know you are you're by yourself me. <laughs> yeah, I'm who's the most loved in your family me <laughs> you you might be right about that right yeah. now anyway right you know the, our parents love us all the same right they do they do. And then there's Jesus walking on the water in the gospel story on the water. And the, and the disciples are in the boat afraid of the storm. Yeah, and the winds were blowing the boat every which way. And here comes Jesus and they think it's a ghost. Oh, who is that? I know, but they thought it was a ghost because they'd never seen anybody walking on water before. 
in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the night. And so here comes Jesus, and, and here's Peter, and he sees, he thinks, he sees Jesus, and he says, Lord, bid me come to you if it is you. And, yeah, uh-huh, St. Peter. Yeah, uh-huh. And then, and then the, and the, he, so he, he, Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water until he starts thinking a whole lot about it. And when he starts thinking about it, like, how impossible is this? He sinks. And the Lord lifts him up, and they both get in the boat. And he got scared of the wind. And he got scared of the wind and the waves. Because he doubted Jesus at that time, didn't he? But we also, so here's the point. We all have storms in our lives. No. We all have storms. And whether we're young or whether we're old. We all have storms in our lives. And so, but, we, but if we trust the Lord, he's going to come to us and help us through the storm. He might not take the storm away, but he's going to help us through the storm in your life. And your storm can be anything. You might have a fight with your friend. You might be doing bad in class. Whatever. You might have a fight with your parents. Those are storms in life. And the Lord can help you get through those things if you turn to him and trust in him. If you don't, you're going to sink like Peter did. Peter? Yeah, St. Peter. Yes, it's Peter. Yes. All right, then. Let's um, go get a packet right over there from Miss Beth, and you can go have a seat with your parents or grandparents, whoever you're with today. Easy. So there was a kindergarten teacher who gave her class a show-and-tell assignment one day. And each student was instructed to bring an object to share with the class something that represented their own particular religion. And so the first student got up in front of the class. <laughs> you already know. So the first student got up in front of the class and said, Hi, my name is Benjamin, and I am Jewish, and, and this is a Star of David. And the second student got up in front of the class and said, Hi, my name is Mary, and I'm a Catholic, and this is a rosary. And the third student got up in front of the class and said, Hi, my name is Tommy, I'm a Baptist, and this is a casserole. <laughs> Elaine, did you know that one already? <laughs> Never fails. And then there was the German Shepherd and the Doberman and the Chihuahua who all die and they go to heaven. And all three are faced with God who wants to know what they believe. And the German Shepherd says, I believe in discipline, training, and loyalty to my master. God says, good, then you shall sit at my right side. And he says to the Doberman, what do you believe in? And the Doberman answered, I believe in the love and the care and the protection of my master. God said, good, you may sit at my left side. And he looks at the Chihuahua and asks, what do you believe? And the Chihuahua looks at him and answers, I believe you are seating in my seat. (laughs) 
If you've ever been around a chihuahua, you know that's a whole lot of truth in there. So today we have the gospel story of Jesus walking on the water. It's a familiar story to all of us, and we will come right back to it in a moment. First, let's go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, to the story of creation found in the book of Genesis. It's there that we read about Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit, something which God had specifically denied them. And knowing that God was searching for them after they had eaten the fruit, after they had become disobedient, Adam and Eve, they decided to hide. It's a scene that's probably reminiscent of many of our own childhoods and maybe of some of our adulthoods. Maybe when we had done something that we should not have done and we literally hid from our searching parents. Uh, I remember back in the first grade, we lived in Clarksville, Texas. Uh, I'd just begun first grade, and my twin brother and I, we were playing with matches, which we knew we, we, knew we shouldn't have been playing with matches because we'd been told a hundred times, don't play with matches. Well, we accidentally set the front seat of an old abandoned car sitting in a vacant lot next to our house on fire. And I remember running and hiding behind the curtains in our house, listening to the sirens of the fire engines, dreading the hour of our father's arrival home from work. Even though we were hiding, my father found us, and well, you can imagine the rest of the story. Well, the same thing happened with Adam and Eve when they were hiding from God. God finds them as we know that he would. And God asked them, why were you hiding? Do you remember the response that Adam gave? He said, because I was afraid. And I think this very poignant story reminds us that fear is so basic to who we are as humans, it goes all the way back to the beginning of time. To be human is to experience fear. And there seems to be no limit to our fears. In a Peanuts cartoon strip, Charlie Brown goes to Lucy for, for a nickel's worth of psychiatric help. And she, uh, she proceeds to pinpoint his particular fear. Perhaps, she says, you have hypingophobia, which is the fear of responsibility. And Charlie Brown says, no, I don't think so. Well, perhaps you have ilurophobia, which is the fear of cats. And Charlie Brown says, no, I don't think so. Well, maybe you have a climacophobia, which is a fear of staircases. No, I don't think so. Exasperated, Lucy says, well, maybe you have pantophobia, which is the fear of everything. And Charlie Brown says, yes, that's it. Yes, that's it. Sometimes we really are afraid of everything. We're afraid of ourselves. We're afraid of other people. We're afraid of the future. We're afraid of the past. We're afraid of life. We're afraid of death. And perhaps the most surprising fear of many people and one that we don't like to address is the fear of God. It's a fear that God is not really on our side. 
It's a fear that God will put us out on a limb and keep us hanging there while he leaves. It's a fear that in the midst of the storm, we will be overcome. Over and over again, the message of the Bible is fear not. Do not be afraid. Over 70 times in the Bible, someone is told to fear not. When Abraham took his family to the promised land, he feared that he was turning his back on everything he knew and loved. And God spoke to him and said, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, and your reward will be great. When the Jews stood at the Red Sea, could see Pharaoh's chariots coming over the horizon, they cried out, afraid that they would all be slaughtered. And Moses said to them, stand still, fear not, and see the salvation of the Lord. When the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said that she would bear a child, she trembled with fear. And the angel said, fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, I know it's easy for us to say, fear not, but it's not so easy to get rid of those fears. So what do we do with all of those fears? Well, first, I would say to you that we must confront the fears because we pay a price if we don't. Today's generation, they live with the fear of terrorist attacks, of mass shootings in school. You know, I was raised in a generation, as were many of you, baby boomers. We had to live for years with the ultimate fear of thermonuclear war, which is still a threat today. Back then, people lived in fear that there would be a war with Russia, which is still a threat today. As a child, I distinctly remember believing that the world might come to an end, which is still a threat today. Over 500,000 bomb shelters were built in a three-year period in America back then. What is the result of raising an entire generation of children in fear? Well, let me give you my opinion. It was my generation that started the drug and the sexual revolution. And I know that it's a complex issue, but I think that many people took the attitude, well, what difference does it make we're all going to die anyway. We might as well have some fun as we go about it. Morals, they were just thrown out the window. Many people became fatalistic. We paid a terrible social price in America because we did not adequately deal with our national fear during the mid-60s. So Simon Peter, he's out in the boat. He's crossing the Sea of Galilee with all the other disciples after a long day with the crowds, huge crowds. Earlier that day, the disciples saw Jesus take five loaves and two fish. We talked about it last week and feed at least 8,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children. And now he's stepping out of the boat into the storm, trying to imitate his master walking on the water, tempestuous Peter is tempting the storm and he's successful for a moment but the situation gets the best of him fear rises and the body sinks 
St. Paul, writing to the young disciple Timothy, said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Once we have grasped this most basic understanding, then we can go about dealing with our fears, seeing that they are there, putting them in their places, the Spirit of God turning that around, who replaces them with a sound mind of love and of power. We are not powerless in the midst of the storm. We have the Holy Spirit at our side. You know, I can hear God whispering to St. Peter, quit letting your imagination magnify your fears. The storm is furious, but I am greater still. And I would remind you that of the 500,000 bomb shelters built in the U.S. in in that time period, not one of them was ever used for that purpose. Harness your imagination. Don't let it harness you. So we must first confront our fears, walk out of the boat to Christ. Second, we must understand that too much doubt can sink us. I can see the other disciples in the boat in fear of the storm, in fear of that that ghost walking on the water, exhausted from a long day of feeding the masses, thinking, Peter, no, Peter, you can't do that. Get back in. We don't know who that is out there on the water. It's an hallucination. It's the devil. God knows what it is, but Peter, you can't do that. Get in the boat. But Peter does it anyway. I don't know for how long, but Peter walks on the water toward Jesus. Peter said, Lord, if it is you, you can make me to walk on the water with you. Peter knows that the Lord can sustain him. Even in the midst of the storm, when there is nothing but uncertainty, God will take care of us. But I want you to know that faith is a risk-taking enterprise. It does not come in a perfect package. I often find myself caught midway between faith and doubt, not of God's existence, but but about the circumstance. In fact, Peter gets caught between Christ and the crest of the waves. He begins to doubt his walk. He fears the storm and he falls beneath the waves. You know, this is a great story of what the church can accomplish if we put our faith in Christ. But it is also a story about our weakness. And here's the good news. If we sink, if we take our gaze off of Christ Jesus, if waves seem destined to engulf us, we can call on our Savior and his grace will pull us through. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was the first author to alert the West to the horrible realities he experienced in in Stalin's labor camps. And Solzhenitsyn said that only once during his very long imprisonment in, in that labor camp in the Soviet Union did he become so discouraged that he thought about suicide. He was outdoors on a work detail And he had reached a point whether he no longer cared whether he lived or died. 
And when he had a break, he sat down and a stranger sat beside him, someone he had never seen before and would never see again. For no apparent reason, this stranger, he took a stick and he drew a cross on the ground. Solzhenitsyn sat and he stared at that cross for a very long time. And he later wrote, staring at that cross, I realized that therein lies freedom. At that point, in the midst of that storm, he received new courage and the will to live. Now that storm didn't end that day. But through Jesus, Solzhenitsyn found the strength to ride it out. I don't know what storm of life will come your way this week or what storm you may be enduring right now at this moment. But I do know this, even as the storm rages around you, if you will listen very closely with your heart, you will hear a gentle voice calling out to you, take heart, it is I, fear not. And in time, the storm will pass and Jesus will still be there. We must remember that regardless of what happens, God will be with us. If we have no rain for another six months and the temperature stays above 100 degrees for six more weeks, God is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. If you get a bad medical report on Wednesday, God is going to be the same. The story is told, I'll finish with this. The story is told of old Bishop Warren Chandler, after whom the School of Theology at Emory University was named. And as he lay on his deathbed, a friend inquired as to whether or not he was afraid of dying. The friend asked, please tell me frankly, do you fear crossing the river of death? And Chandler replied, why no? I belong to a father who owns the land on both sides of the river. In life, there are storms, but there comes a time when like everything else, we must place our fear at the foot of the cross and then lean back into the arms of an ever-loving, gracious God. Fear not. Do not be afraid. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.